Good morning, everybody. I'm Daniel, and uh, that's all you need to know. Let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, um, I thank you so much uh, for who you are. Thank you that you are um, here with us in this moment, wherever we are, in this room or elsewhere. Um, thank you for your presence with us. Jesus, I personally just, I really want to do a good job uh, speaking your word this morning. Pray that you would help me and thank you that it's by your spirit that we can not only understand um, kind of intellectually the words uh, in scripture, but we can actually be transformed from the inside out by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you want to do that. And so we just ask that you would. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, this morning, um, I want to start by kind of bringing us into probably what I hope is a common experience. Hopefully most of us have had, have had this experience at least one time. I know it happens to me on a regular basis, but it's that experience where you kind of get, uh, the sense of being small, not in a negative way, like somebody belittles you or something, but where you just kind of get this sense of your place in a bigger story. So maybe that's happened for you. You were, you know, you were in an amazing place in nature, you know, looking, you, you maybe hiked, hiked up a mountain and we're just like looking at incredible views or maybe, um, you know, somebody uh, was talking to you about the vastness of space and you were like, oh my goodness, I'm like this big. Um, whatever it is, uh, I think those moments are important. One that happens for me pretty regularly is when I'm flying on a plane, there's, you know, you're, there's all that hustle trying to get onto your flight. You're trying to get through security and you finally get on the plane, it takes off. And I always, well, almost always will fly out of Minneapolis. And so you're taking off and you kind of look down. And if it's early in the morning, you see all the headlights of cars that are driving around. And I just start to think about like, man, a few hours ago, that was me in one of those tiny little cars, so concerned about my day and all the stuff that I had ahead of me. And now I'm looking down at all these people and you know, like what's happening in that little car right there is such a big deal to that person. And I, it just starts to hurt my brain a little bit because probably I got up at three in the morning to catch my flight. And so I'm like, all right, I'm done thinking about that. I'm gonna go sleep now. Um, but there, uh, there's just, I think there's something important about getting outside of ourselves a little bit. Yes, we all have an important story. Like each of us has a story and we tend to operate in that way. We, we sort of live wrapped up and, you know, and not always like in a totally negative way, but we're, our, our lives are pretty self-centered, right? And, and rightly so, because I can only live my life. I can't live your life. But at the same time, I think it's important to be expanded a little bit and to think about not only the micro stuff, but also the macro stuff, the bigger picture. And so today, we are reading through the genealogy of Jesus. And it's kind of funny because whenever we preach through a book of the Bible, as we often do here, um, I mean, we always preach out of the Bible, but often when we're like planning out sermon series, it'll just be like, okay, we're like right now we're going through the book of Luke. And so we just kind of take it section by section. And so a couple of weeks ago, I was asking Chad, like, all right, Chad, what 
what are you going to go to like for on the 13th? When are you going to, where are you going to stop in the passage? He's like, well, I'm going to do like the John the Baptist stuff. And so you have the genealogy. And I was like, I thought he was going to say, so just kind of like touch on that and then move on. But what he said was, you have the genealogy. And I think there's some really good stuff in there. And I was like, all right. So, <laughs> so it's like, to me, you know, it's like, okay, Chad said there's good stuff in there. Then I, that was kind of like a challenge to me, like find some good stuff in there. And uh, so, I mean, I don't know, I guess you'll be the judge of it this morning, but um, this is what I want us to do. So we're going to read a bunch of names this morning. And I want us to take uh, that perspective of being in a plane, looking down at all of these little cars um, as we read through this, all right? So as we read these names, I want you to think about each of these people being a real person that lived their life, had their stories, experienced joy and pain, etc. All right, so Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 28. Jesus when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph. Now, by the way, if you don't know that Jesus wasn't Joseph's son, like if you didn't realize that in reading through Luke, uh, you probably missed some, some big stuff because there were like angels that showed up and it was like saying like, this is gonna be God's doing and all this stuff. But anyway, so thank you, Luke, as was supposed. Okay, so Joseph, uh, the son of Heli, the son of Methat, the son of Levi, son of Melchi, son of Jani, son of Joseph, son of Matthias, son of Amos, the son of Nahum, son of Esli, son of Nagai, the son of Math, um, Smart guy, I bet. Son of Matthias, son of Simeon, son of Josek, son of Jodah, the son of Joanan, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, that's a good one, son of Shilatel, son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kossum, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua. I'm going to start skipping the son of Adi. Uh, sorry, I went backwards. Um, and by the way, I practiced this, okay? So this is the, <laughs> this is the best I can do. Uh, Eliezer, Joram. Mathat, Levi, Simeon, Judah, Joseph, Jonam, Eliakim, Mela, Mena, Matatha, Nathan, David, Jesse, Obed, Boaz, Salah, Nashan, uh, Aminadab, Admin, Arni, Hezron, Perez, Judah, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, Terah, Nahor, Serug. That's probably the worst one, by the way. Serug is the worst name in this list. Uh, Ryu, Peleg, that one's pretty bad too. Eber, Selah, Canaan, Arphaxad, okay, that one's bad too. Shem, Noah, Lamech, Methuselah, Enoch, Jared, Mahaliel, uh, Canaan, Enos, Seth, Adam, and I know this one, God. Okay, so uh, that is 77 generations from Jesus to Adam, okay? All of those people, a life, a story. And the thing that I want us to remember is, again, it's, it's easy to read through that and be like, okay, whatever. But I would just bet if your name was on that list, you'd be like, oh, wait, like spend a little more time on that one. Or just like emphasize that one. <laughs> or if that one was in there, like highlight, underline, circle, right? That's me. Um, See, we all care a lot about our story. Sometimes we miss the bigger story. And 
what I want us to connect with this morning, though, is that, so each of these, each of these people, obviously, like, it's pretty cool. They have their name in the Bible in connection with Jesus, being a part of his genealogy. Um, and although it may not be on this list, what I want each of us to remember this morning, and each of us can say of ourselves that my name is also written down. And what I mean by that is Psalm 139 verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet none of, none, uh, as there yet was none of them. So every single one of our days was written down ahead of us by God. See, we, you know, or for me, it's like I fly on a plane. I try to even just imagine all of the people that I see driving on, you know, 35W, and that hurts my brain. To even try to imagine all of the details of all of their lives. And, God, and, and so I have to like think about it. Even people I know, like my wife. I know my wife probably better than anybody else I know in the entire world. And still like I know her well, but when I think about her, I have to like think. I have to put thought into, all right, what is my wife like? Let me think about this stuff. And God just knows stuff. He doesn't have to expend energy to think about whatever. He just knows it. So... If Psalm 139 is true of every person who's ever lived, God knows the details of every single one of these stories. Every person who's ever lived, past, present right now, and in the future. God just knows it. He knows all those details, and it's not difficult for him. It does not hurt his brain. He just knows it. It's, that's like a totally different level than we operate on. It's a totally bigger picture than any of us could even imagine understanding. It's crazy. And it makes sense, though, because we operate like we are living in God's creation. We are created creatures, right? God is the one who just said humans, and we came to be. That's like it doesn't even make sense that we even get to talk about him today because how could we even understand a being that is on that level? It's crazy. It's crazy that we even get to know him this morning. And so in the midst of that, in the midst of kind of understanding there's a much bigger picture, I, like many of us, am pretty wrapped up in my story. And again, I think rightly so. Like we are, we are called to be responsible for our own lives. Um, and I, like many of us, have been kind of trying to process through a lot of the stuff that's been going on in the world these days. And it is, it's, a, it's a little crazy. It feels a little crazy. It feels a little out of control. And internally, for me, it feels like a fight just to, just to try to get to what is true. What is the reality? It feels like a fight internally just to feel okay. <laughs> I don't know if anybody can relate to me this morning, but I think that's probably where many of us are at. It does feel like a fight to, to, to see things God's way. And a couple weeks ago, 
Um, when Sammy was leading worship, he started the service by sharing out of Psalm 100. And there's moments, you know, I hope, you, I hope that you get a lot of scripture in your life. And however that comes at you, hopefully, you know, obviously through this, but I hope that you're spending time in God's word. I hope that you're getting it in other ways and throughout your week. But there's moments where, you know, God's word is either being spoken or I'm reading it or something. And it's just like, boom, it's not every day. But there's moments where it's just like, boom, it's, it feels like the Holy Spirit is like this. And then he just like won't let me forget that. It's just like it keeps coming up over and over and over and over again. And this was, this was Psalm 100 for me. That when Sammy read that a couple weeks ago, it's just stuck with me and I can't move past it. And specifically this verse, Psalm 105. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And when I think about the things that are happening in our world and I think about the future and I start to feel some anxiety, most of it is not about me. A lot of it is about my kids. I'm thinking about them. I'm thinking about what is, what is their life gonna be like? How is this gonna play out for them? And so there was something that just kind of was like half settled in my soul. And I think you know what I mean. Like there's something where you know that, so I know that God is faithful to all generations. And so it's like, okay, God, I, I understand that. And I wanna really believe that. I wanna really embrace that. I still feel anxiety when I think about my kid's future, but I am gonna continue to come back to this thought of God is faithful to all generations. But I've been asking him like, what does that mean? And trying to trying to learn it a little better, I guess, trying to really like get that truth down in my soul because the reality is, is that I still get pretty freaked out. And if I'm freaked out about my kid's future, there's probably something about this verse that I'm not believing. And so what I like to do when I speak is I like to open the can of worms just a little bit because life is gonna do it inevitably anyway. So let's do it together and process it together um, because that's how we're supposed to do it in community. Um, so I wanna look at the events of the lives of some of the people in this genealogy. And just to start to get, to get some perspective. So we're actually gonna start with Adam and just kind of go through chronologically some of the names. So Adam, here's, here's some of the things that Adam experienced in his life. So. First of all, the most obvious is he experienced like that incredible, terrible shift of the world now all of a sudden being marred by sin through his decision and Eve's. So all of a sudden, things are not normal, right? And we feel that today, right? It's like, when are things going to go back to normal? Adam was like, when are things going to go back to normal? Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro, not for a while. Um, so he experienced that. And then I think uh, also another thing Adam, Adam experienced, and I think this was probably just mind-bogglingly terrible, is his son murdered his son. Like we read about that, we know that story. We kind of avoid it probably in Sunday school because it's, it's pretty terrible. And you think about it, like that guy just essentially lost two sons. 
Anyway, next, uh, let's talk about Noah. Ridiculed most of his life because he was building this giant wooden boat box thing. And then the world was flooded and everyone died. That's pretty extreme. Little more than what we've experienced probably. Uh, Abraham experienced years of childlessness, which back then was a bigger deal than it is today. Like it's, it's heartbreaking today if parents want children and they can't conceive and that's, it was a bigger deal back then. Him and his wife experienced that. Uh, also, I mean, and I'm just kind of cherry picking stuff mostly just from memory that I remember it happened to these people, but his relatives were uh, attacked and taken into slavery and he had to go rescue them. That's a stressful situation. <laughs> um, Isaac, his son, experienced famine, which, again, we don't really know the meaning of that word. Uh, but there is no food for anybody to eat. Um, he had a half-brother who hated him. He had a son who made his life bitter. Jacob worked seven years to be tricked into taking the wrong wife. He worked seven years to earn this wife. Now, we don't do things anymore this way, thank the Lord. Um, and maybe Chad can preach on this some other time. Uh, but anyway, he worked seven years to basically earn the right to marry this gal, and he was tricked into marrying a different gal. And then had to work another seven years. That's kind of, that's kind of funny, but that would be awful. <laughs> be awful. Um, that'd be a rude surprise. Okay, uh, Joshua experienced slavery in Egypt. Again, we don't really understand what that would be like. Uh, experienced wandering in the wilderness, um, fighting in battles and things like that. David experienced similar things, wars and battles. He was hunted for his life. He experienced the loss of one of his infant children. Joseph, we're jumping all the way to Jesus' dad, Joseph, or supposed, okay. Um, Joseph, he had, he had to flee because Herod was going to kill all of the young boys and did. I mean, that is like crazy stuff. And again, I, now, did, was all of these, like, were all of the events of all these people's lives bad? No. Just like us, it's, it's all mixed up. Joys and pain all mixed together in their life. But when we look at the end of the, um, the, end of the story, I think, it, or when we look at all the events of these, of these guys' lives, it should make us ask this question, where is God's faithfulness when my life is going badly? Where is God's faithfulness? When my life is not going the way that I think it should go, is God still faithful? See, again, because like was, we're all, as, we, as we look at the genealogy, were all, of these, all the events of all these guys' lives bad? No, but there's some pretty terrible stuff. And we look at the list, and I think we could all ask the question as we look at this genealogy, but in the midst of all of these bad things that happened, was God still faithful? And I think probably... Most of us would say, yeah. And why would we say yes? Well, because Jesus' name is at the end of the list. We see that in the mess of everything else, 
God was still faithful. God still had his way. But I think far too often we measure God's faithfulness by purely based on the circumstances of our lives, our story. And we're kind of looking at God's faithfulness only on a micro level. And I think scripture encourages, encourages us to look at life in a different way. Let's look at Hebrews 11 verses 13 through 16. It says, these all died in faith. And this is talking about kind of some heroes in the Bible. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. We'll come back to that, so remember that. But having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Now, Hebrews 11 is kind of called the, the hall of faith, okay? And it's basically all these stories of people who had faith, and really more than that, people who God was faithful to. Because all the people on the list like made mistakes, just, and many of them are in this genealogy. They, they kind of blew it, and God still had his way in the end. But so you can read this passage and, and, and part of it is like inspiring and stirring and encouraging. But then there's this part in the middle, which of course I picked for us this morning, that says that they died not receiving the things that they were promised. Woohoo! <laughs> it's like, you know, no, that's nobody's life verse. Um, and it's, di it's disappointing. It sounds very disappointing, you know, because like a lot of us, the message that got us into church in the first place was something along the lines of, Jesus will make your life better. And the reality is, is that when you look at the Bible, that just doesn't seem to be true. Jesus gives life, but doesn't make our lives better in the way that we would maybe think or want. See, the reality is, is I, we will always be disappointed if I have a small view of God's plan. If I'm thinking only on the micro level, if I'm thinking about my life today, right now, and that is it, I will always be disappointed because God's faithfulness doesn't work just on that micro level, right? It's also on, bigger, on a bigger scale. It's a bigger story. It's operating, his faithfulness is operating not only just in my life, not only just in my little car driving to the airport, but in the guy behind me, in the gal in front of me, right? And in all the people who have ever driven on 35W and all the people who have ever lived, ever existed and ever will exist, right? God's faithfulness is operating on that scale and God being faithful to me doesn't mean that my life will be comfortable, Unfortunately, when I read the Bible, I don't see that on his list of priorities for my life. It's kind of a bummer because that definitely is on the list of priorities I have for my life. 
And I'm not saying that being comfortable is inherently bad, right? I hope that you're at least sort of comfortable in that chair you're sitting in right now, just not so comfortable that you'll fall asleep on me. But um, I don't think that that's on his list of priorities. When I read the Bible, the things that I do see are on his list of priorities. The things I know that he will be faithful to is he's going to be faithful to change me and grow me. He's going to be faithful to parent me and discipline me. He's going to be uh, faithful to provide for me, to guide me and lead me. He's going to be faithful to remind me of how much he loves me, how much he, how much he, um, how much he's done for me through Jesus. He's going to remind me of all of those things. God's faithful to that. See, I want my life to be good. I want my life to be comfortable. God wants so much more than that for me and for you. It made me think of John chapter 6, where Jesus feeds the 5,000, really, it's 5,000 men. So it's probably more like, you know, 20,000 people at least. He feeds these people through this amazing miracle, and then he leaves, and everybody's like, wait, where did the bread guy go? And they follow him, and they go and they find him, and they're like, Jesus, where did you go? And he's like, well right here. <laughs> and, and they're like, hey, so are you thinking about, you know, doing any miracles today? And he's like, not really. <laughs> like, oh, well, because it'd be really cool, you know, if you wanted to maybe like make some bread again. And Jesus is eventually, I mean, there's this long back and forth and they're like, we want food. And Jesus is like, I want something way more, that, way more for you than that. And what Jesus is trying to drive this crowd of people at is like, hey, I've, I, I care, I totally care about your physical needs. That's why I fed you yesterday. But I'm not going to do it again, lest I just become bread guy to you. Because I want so much more for you than that. I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you the bread that will never leave you hungry again. And they were like, sweet, give us that bread. <laughs> it's just like, it's this really annoying thing that goes back and forth. And then I just think about, shoot, I am totally that person. I am totally that person. And where Jesus ends up with this crowd is he's like, fine, you want something to eat? Eat my body and drink my blood. And everybody leaves. That's not the Jesus they wanted. That's not the kind of faithfulness they wanted. They wanted faithfulness in the bread today. They didn't want eternal life forever. See, Jesus wants a forever kind of faithfulness in our life, not just a moment by moment, tiny little, yay, oh, sweet, parking spot. Oh, cool, I got 5% off at Target, whatever. It's like, yo, praise Jesus, he's blessing my life. He wants eternal life for us. Think about it this way. What is the craziest, biggest, most amazing thing that you, would, that you feel like you could ask God for? Maybe it's like, well, I don't know. Like, and if Jesus was sitting there right in front of you, like, seriously, like, just ask me for anything. I'll just give it to you. Okay, uh, how about a million dollars? Here you go. No problem. And I mean, million dollars is not what it used to be, okay? I could spend a million dollars real quick. Uh, but so it's like, okay, uh, let's try bigger. How about, how about like a, I don't know, like a private island? 
No problem. Okay, how about the entire earth? Yep, no problem. The galaxy? Yeah, you got it. Okay, the universe, sure. But I want something way more for you than that. See, more than all of the universe, right? That is just creation. (laughs) What Jesus wants to give us is a relationship with the creator, the one who spoke and it all came to be. It's not like God is not contained within the universe. He made it. It's outside of him. His presence is present in his creation, but it's not all of who God is. There's so much more. We think about the universe and it's like melts our brain out of our ears because it's so huge. You think, I mean, you have to talk about it in light years, how far light can travel in a year. And it's like, well, this star is like 60 billion light years away. And by the way, that's the closest star to you. And you're like, what? It's, it's like insane, the scale of it. And that's not even close to who God is. We could have, we could literally have ownership of the entire universe and not even have the tiniest fraction of what we get in Jesus Christ. Relationship with the creator. That is what God is after in our lives. And not that he doesn't care about the day-to-day stuff. He totally, totally does. And he's in the middle of it, like more present than we recognize. And he's operating and organizing things and conducting things and bringing everything together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But when all we think is that the good of us is what's happening in my life right now today, then I've totally missed the point. What Hebrews says is that they were looking for a future country, excuse me, a future country, a better heavenly place, something eternal. And so ultimately, I think what Hebrews is showing us is that we need new desires. We need new desires. If our primary desire is to be comfortable, we need a better desire. Because what Paul writes is that I consider everything total garbage, and that's stating it mildly, all right? The closest thing to a swear word in the Bible is this passage. It's the only Greek word I know, skubalon. So I make myself laugh because I'm just so childish. Um, All of it is rubbish compared to what? Knowing Christ. Doesn't that sound lame on the surface? Really? Like me finding that husband that I dream for is rubbish compared to knowing Jesus? Yes. Yes. I promise you. You getting that job you dream of? Yes. I promise you that knowing Jesus is so much better. If who you are today is not content with knowing Jesus, no situations changing in your life will ever make you content. 
Jesus is the only thing that satisfies the human soul. The only thing. Knowing him, it's what we were made for. That's why everything else ends up tasting like sawdust. Except for knowing Jesus. So we need a different desire. We need a different longing. And um, I think we need to stop letting the events and circumstances of our life. And again, this is easy to say, okay? And it's probably might be easy to hear, but we need to stop allowing our, the situations in our life dictate the view of God that we have. Our situations do not determine who God is. God determines our situations. Or as I've heard before, and I'm stealing this morning, is we need to stop talking to God about how big our problems are and start telling our problems how big our God is. It's totally different. The Bible tells us who God is. It helps us see a bigger picture. I love that we sang the words of the 23rd Psalm today. You know how long that people of God have been singing that song to different tunes and in different languages? For over 3,000 years. And it is still just as true today. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. So what do we do? Two things, okay? Two things for us this morning. Um, and as I was writing this, I was both, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit like, so we've been thinking about how big God is. It's like, what do we do? Pretty much nothing. Because <laughs> what can we do? Here's the first thing, have faith. And what faith is, is the ability to see things that are not yet seeable. It's to see beyond our current circumstances to what God is going to do down the line. It's, a, it's the ability to see the bigger picture, to see God's story of redemption, even when there might be pain in my life right now. And that is not something that you can just get up the morning, you know, pull, pull up your pants and be like, ah, I have faith. It's something where it's like, God, I need you to give me eyes to see. I need, to, I need you to change my heart because I, the things that I'm looking at don't look great right now and I don't know how to see past them. God is the one that gives us the ability to do that. And so let's ask him for that. We need faith to see that we're foreigners here. We have a better country ahead of us. And I get, honestly, I get a little bit worried about the state of the church in America when I see how concerned so many Christians are about elections. Those things are important. I totally believe God cares about those things. And in fact, he is guiding and directing those things. But if, you, if your world crumbles, if they elect not your person, then I fear for your, your life, honestly. I fear for your life because what God has for us is so much bigger than that. And what we should be showing the world should be so much different than that. So that's the first thing, have faith. We are to be people of faith. Um, and uh, here's, here's the second thing. And I just have two pictures to, to illustrate this. Um, invest in people. Why? Because people are the only thing in this world with eternal value. People. Like if you look around this room, if you think about people in your life, those 
are all people that are apparently, and I, I, only by the grace of God, worth the cost of Jesus' life. That's incredible value that God places on people. So let's put these pictures up. This first one, and I apologize for the bad quality. This is a, like a picture of a picture. Actually, this is a picture of my parents' TV, okay? Because we were watching home videos. And this is uh, that, that little blurry baby with the wig on is me. <laughs> Just kidding, that's real hair. Um, and that person holding me is actually Pastor Joe 33 years old, and no, that is not a shadow on his upper lip. That is a mustache. <laughs> so that's where I got it. Um, and then, yeah, those are my parents over there. And th so this is my baby dedication. Pastor Joe was the senior pastor at, at my church that I grew up in uh, until I came here in 2008. Um, well, pretty much that whole time. And uh, so, yeah, he did, he's known me since the day I was born. And um, so we got to watch this home video, and uh, he was just... Uh, when he was the, a pastor at, at this church in Hastings, he would write a personalized letter to every baby he dedicated. And so I got to listen to the letter that he read over me at seven weeks old. And it was awesome. Like, it was so cool because he was talking about, um, he was talking about, you know, uh, just the gospel, how God sent his son and uh, which is something I've responded to, praise, praise God, right? And, um, and uh, but also then he was talking about like, you know, in this life, you're gonna have victories and losses. And ultimately it's in Christ that we have the victory. He was talking about how the, the world is so performance-based and what God really cares about is what's on the inside, which praise God, because I'm, I'm not very good at performing. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a high performer, you know? Uh, so thank God for that. But these are people that have had a huge impact on my life. Um, obviously my parents, I could talk for hours about my parents, uh, but let's go to the next picture. That, that little boy, uh, with the new wig is me. Um, and then that's my grandpa Cully. And, uh, my grandpa Cully just passed away a week and a half ago. We had his funeral yesterday and he was 94, and um, he was an awesome, awesome grandpa. And, uh, and yeah, so he, every time we would go over there, um, him and my grandma would just make it so fun, and, uh, and he just loved Jesus like crazy. Like when he would pray, his passion for Jesus would come out, and he couldn't hear really well. Um, he he uh, was in World War II and was in tanks and stuff with no hearing protection. <laughs> so you had to kind of yell if you wanted to talk to him. But when he would talk to Jesus, he was, he was like so passionate and uh, just an awesome man. Has left such a cool legacy. He's got like 20, 20 grandkids and um, like 28 great grandkids and stuff. And so... It was really fun to be able to celebrate a life like that and to think about the impact that he has had on my life um, and to hear other people share about that. And it makes me think about my legacy. It makes me think about how is my life oriented? Where am I putting my resources, right? Because like it's, it seems like most of us, like we all want to invest in our retirement fund, but how else am I orienting my life to specifically invest in the relationships that God has placed in me? 
And I talk, now that's talking about time and money and just emotional effort, right? How am I investing in the people around me and really pointing them to the one thing that matters? So again, that's something that I think Jesus wants to empower us to do. I'm gonna invite the band to come up. And uh, as we wrap up here, I just encourage you during this next week, think about those two things. Think about Jesus, would you help me have faith? And then would you show me how to invest in the relationships that you've placed me in? Let's pray. Jesus, um, this morning as we are thinking about these things and um, even thinking about just both a genealogy of a lot of names of a lot of people who lived a a long time ago um, and then thinking about us today. Jesus, we just want to know you better. Jesus, we want to have faith to see beyond what we can see right in front of our faces. And Jesus, I pray that you would give us creativity um, to see the relationships around us and how we can be investing intentionally in those people um, in whatever ways that you, you know, uh, release grace for us to do that. But Jesus, would our lives be oriented around your priorities? Would you give us the grace um, just to keep running back to you when we're struggling, Lord. Thank you so much that you're not a God who just stands far off and folds your arms and just shakes your head and like, why can't you get it together? God, thank you that you are a loving heavenly father who leans in close, gives us a big hug, picks us up, dusts us off helps us to focus on what really, truly matters. Jesus, I pray that you would teach us what it looks like to pick up our cross and follow you. Thank you for the fullness of life that we have in you and thank you that we don't have to earn it because we never would be able to. Jesus, we just thank you for your goodness. We don't want to be fake people, Lord. Would you make our relationship with you so real, not only to us, but to the people around us? Would it be obvious that we have a real relationship with the creator of the world? Would our lives be marked by faith and faithfulness rather than fear and anxiety? Would we step boldly into new territory that you're giving us because we trust you? Would you give us faith to see provision where we don't see it yet? Give us faith to trust you for strength where we don't think we're gonna have it? God, would you give us the grace that we need to follow you? And we thank you that you already have in Jesus. Thank you that we have everything that we need. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship together.